I'm a big believer in, you know, at the stage, especially the stage that this sport is in, that it's really important for people in the know and people who are relatively visible to give access. I think that it helps our sport. It helps people. It gives a, a better understanding of the sport. It helps push the sport forward. And I think we're all trying to continuously move this thing forward. And I know that not being available or not making yourself available or not giving access, I think is the wrong thing to do. So whenever people are interested in talking, I, I try to do the best that I can to make myself available. Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bates. I'm a movement, nutrition, and mindset coach through my app, Wellness with Claire podcast host, coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. <laughs> Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp, and 100% accountability with me, including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical, and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links in bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Claire. Today's episode is with a super interesting guy that has had many renditions of creative outlets and expressing himself. And today that is through the format of being the owner and head coach of Underdog Athletics. It is Justin Kotler. Hello, Justin. Hey, Clara. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Pleasure to be here. I'm stoked that you wanted to do this. Guys, I have to note that we just came back home, which I'm in Austin, Texas. He's out in Vegas. But during Wadapalooza, we just got back home from Wadapalooza. And I was really trying to schedule a moment with Justin and with Ricky for the live podcast stage. But what we discovered is trying to coordinate with athletes while they have other obligations can be challenging. And so Justin followed up with me every day. It was incredible. I just have to note that and say how much I appreciate that because that was not an obligation. That was not something I expected of you. And if anything, it just surprised me at how much I was like, wow, he's continuing to just loop back and check in. And it just meant a lot. So thank you for that. It's <laughs> my pleasure. I'm a big believer in at the stage, especially the stage that this sport is in, that it's really important for people in the know and people who are relatively visible to give access. I think that it helps our sport. It helps people. It gives a better understanding of the sport. It helps push the sport forward. And I think we're all trying to continuously move this thing forward. And I know that not being available or not making yourself available or not giving access, I think is the wrong thing to do. So whenever people are interested in talking, I try to do the best that I can to make myself available. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. And with that being said, for anyone who doesn't know with underdogs athletics, they are currently one of the largest training camps within the sport of CrossFit. And he is also a husband and father. I have to mention that those are very large pieces of his life as well. So he's got a lot going on. And I always like to begin with how we met. And so I met Justin for the first time last year. That would have been 2022, the spring of that year. I had come out to Vegas. I was actually there to run the High Rocks World Championships. And while there, I linked up with Danielle Brandon. We had become friends. And so you were still working with her. She was one of your athletes there. 
on site. And so I just remember about meeting you that you've got a lot going on. There are a lot of athletes there. And it was just, you probably had no idea who I was, I would imagine, right? Was that the case? Yeah. I mean, that was the first time knowing you and stuff. Yeah. Back at Camp Rhino. Yeah. Which professionally, like I'm extremely new in the space. So that makes a ton of sense. I actually did a podcast episode with Brian Friend a couple days ago and our interaction at Rogue Invitational last year was hilarious because someone was like, yeah, you should work with her. And he was like, what? Why? Like had no idea. And it was just so authentic and I loved it. Anyway, the thing is, I'm just another person coming in and you were just so welcoming and warm and inviting and inclusive. Even with all of the stuff you have going on, that was something that stood out to me about you from the jump. Because there was no benefit of being kind to me that you were aware of other than that's just how you operate. And so anyway, I just have to draw back to that because that you. was cool. And then we have the <laughs> opportunity to get to know one another now, which yeah. is great. Yeah, So sure. with the time of recording this, this is post-2023 Wadapalooza. And now we are headed in soon into the open and then we'll get our season for CrossFit underway. And within the last year, your training camp has grown and changed. It's undergone some people leaving, some new people coming in, some controversy. You gained an athlete, Ricky Garrard, that of course just won Wadapalooza this year and has had some stellar performances since his return to the sport. And by the way, I know Ricky personally and adore him. So I think this is just so cool. But what you think about all of this, where we're headed, and then how we got here. I mean, you have so many athletes competing within the space. We'll get a bit more narrow. This is very broad right now. But what's the first thing that comes up for you when you think about all that change and where you are right now? Yeah, it's really mind-blowing, honestly. I think about the journey of underdogs because a lot of people don't realize, right? I've been coaching forever. Like I coached my first CrossFit Games athlete in 2010. So I've been doing this a very long time. But Underdogs Athletics, the brand, has been around less than two years. My wife and I, we moved our family from New York. We came out here with Carrie Pierce. Carrie came with us. And then all of a sudden, it was a migration of other athletes. We had Bethany come. We had Danielle come. Tola came. Matt Delugos came. But I think at the beginning of anything, you're trying to figure out who you are, who you are as a brand, what your culture is, what works, what doesn't work. So there's been a lot of volatility in the last couple of years. But I would say all of it has been us just figuring out who we are, figuring out who Underdogs is, what our mission is, what our culture is, who works well within that culture, and maybe who needs to be somewhere else. And that's fine. I think any business that's really getting off the ground, those are growing pains. Those are things that you're going to experience. And I think we now have a really good understanding and a great base of who we are, who works within our culture in-house, and then who works as far as abroad, because we have a lot of remote athletes as well. So I think all of those things have led us to where we are now, and we're in a great spot. We think we have been extremely successful and extremely visible in a very short period of time. Coming off Wadapalooza is amazing. We have 38 athletes competing down there. We had 11 podiums in seven different divisions. So I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of what we're building. But I think a lot of that stuff that you talk about is really, I think, the natural evolution of a startup. And for us, we're a startup in the fitness space, in the CrossFit space. So there were some growing pains and there were some things that obviously happened, like you say, you know, that were controversial in the space without question, because a lot of those athletes are very visible. But at the end of the day, I think it's worked out well for both sides, and I'm very happy with where we are. And I wish anyone that has come across us and you know has been a part of, I wish them the best of luck moving forward. A lot of them are unbelievable athletes that you're going to hear about for years to come without question. But I think where we are now is where we're supposed to be, and we're just going to continue to build that way. And what I love now is I feel like if I have an interview with an athlete or a coach that's interested in underdogs... We've got a really good understanding of very quickly whether or not it's going to be a good fit. And I think you have to go through those peaks and valleys to understand that. Yeah. It just speaks so clearly to you're doing this thing. It feels purpose-driven, but you don't yet know what works, what does Like You have to experience those things to form your own identity. Maybe two years ago when you started Underdogs, did you know what your mission even was, whereas maybe a couple of years in now, 
you have a lot of clarity on what it is that we're trying to do. And so I'm sure there's still a lot of struggle of how do we get that done? But like by now, this is what we're trying to do. And that's a couple of year progression that I think a lot of people can relate to in whatever they're up to of the time needed to feel like you even know who or what you are, what you're trying to do. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like at the beginning, you're just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall and you're seeing what sticks. And so it's interesting is like at the beginning, I've been doing this a long time. I owned an affiliate for a long time and coached a lot of high level athletes for a long time in CrossFit back in the National Pro Grid League. Like I had a lot of practice coaching high level athletes. And then obviously with Carrie over the last several years, that's probably when things got the most visible is, is when Carrie made the podium, et cetera. But for us, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. And my partner, Kiefer Lamy at, at the time, who I had just met through Tola Morquino, you know, Kiefer kind of knew about me and was friendly with Tola and Kelsey Keel, who I was coaching at the time. And they were out at Evictus Boston. Tola came to Vegas and then Kiefer came to visit one time. And Kiefer was like, listen, I think you're making a mistake. I think you have something to say. I think people want to hear it. And I really believe that if you did release a program or if you did have a training camp, I really do believe that people would follow and be interested, et cetera. And so we did it. And it started out, basically Kiefer was consulting and it was just Ashley and I, my wife and I getting things going. And we had some athletes out here, obviously. And it all happened very fast and furious. But again, it, there was no real structure. It was just kind of like, let's go, let's do what we can do. And it went well, went well from the beginning. But again, like you said, I don't think it was until the last year or so, maybe even the last six months that it was like, okay, we really understand what it is that we're doing. Mission statement wise, what do we want to bring to this space? What do we want in-house? Like, It's not just about bringing out the most visible athletes. It's about putting together a group that can be a family and that can coexist. Because you've got a lot of alpha personalities, you've got a lot of egos, and sometimes that doesn't work well together. You know, sometimes there's going to be some people that don't work well in that uh, culture and in that environment. And I think now we have a great understanding of that. And I think the people that are interested in coming and spending time with us, they kind of get it and they understand what it is that we're doing and what we want to do. And now, without question, I believe that there's going to be a lot less of that volatility. I think the majority of the athletes that are coming now are, they get it. And so now it's, I feel like we've taken a big step, but it's taken a while. It's taken a while to get there without question, but I feel like where we are is where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, the visibility of the the brand has grown tenfold, right? So now people are so aware there's so much content that exists out there now, but it all started. What's so cool hearing you say is that somebody like Kiefer just came out and said, bro, I believe in you. I think that you have something here that people want. And that's just so cool. Borrowing belief. You as a coach know that so much as far as your own athletes. You're just trying to get them to buy into the belief that you have of their capability on the field, in life, wherever. And that's literally what he just did to you. And so that's so cool that he's your partner today, like drawing that. It's really cool. So when he said, you have something to say, could you articulate what it is that he thought you had to say. <laughs> and I think it goes back to what I feel like my purpose is. And I feel like when we talked about this just a little bit before getting on air, I feel like my whole adult life, basically, and I say adult life, like since college, but in college, most of the time I thought of myself as a musician, a singer. What I wanted to do was be able to help people and change people's lives through music. And so I became a recording artist and full-time for 10 years. But the whole idea behind it was the fact that music had affected me so much in my life and helped me when times of despair or times of great happiness, et cetera. But I felt like for me, I was there to be able to contribute, to be able to help people navigate whether it was things that were going well or things that weren't going well in their lives. And I felt like I could do that through music. And then when I got into CrossFit and coaching, it was at a very tumultuous time in my life. And I had gotten very sick and I'd become a pretty dysfunctional, tortured artist, your typical that you hear about. And there were a lot of things in my life that I knew I needed to change. And I never thought that I could find something that I loved as much as music. And I did in CrossFit and it changed my life. And then I wanted to help people change theirs through fitness. And so fitness became my stage, my next stage to be able to help people. 
And so I think it was always about propping people up and getting them to be able to believe in themselves. It's funny you talk about belief because it's such a huge part of what I talk about with my athletes. And I think that that's the biggest thing. I think it, obviously you, know, you talk about program design and you talk about what can help people, the science part of it, et cetera. But for me, it's much more about what's in here. And if you want to talk about people having superpowers, I feel like that's my superpowers to be able to relate to people and be able to bring the best out of them. And I hope that that's what he was talking about, but I feel like that's really my purpose. And so I like to think that that's the reason. And it correlates very well with the people that I've coached. You look at Ricky, you look at where Ricky came from and what Ricky had to deal with and what, and now you look at where he is. And I feel like, listen, I'm sure that there are other coaches that could have coached Ricky, but I do feel like it was kismet. I feel like he and I were supposed to come together and have this journey together. And Ricky now to me is family. I can't imagine coaching or going to the games or whatnot and not being his coach, you know? And so I think that there's those relationships that you develop with people. And that's what's so special to me. It's less about the program and it's less about all that stuff. And to me, it's more about the interpersonal relationships. It's more about being able to affect someone on not just a sport level, but a life level. And that's what I think is is most important. Yeah. And it's cool. And what I've observed and can agree with that I see is that you're really trying to pour into these people on and off of the field. And we can so easily, while at the end of the day with programming, yes, there are going to be each individual client is going to have their own deficit or thing that they can work on and the things that they excel at. But when it comes to fitness, I think we often overcomplicate the shit out of it. Yes, <laughs> You know, and it's like building yeah. fitness is actually not so complex as we often make it out to be. And like nerding out on it is fun, but like a hinge is a hinge is a hinge and building strength is building strength. You know? No, I agree with you. Yeah. So I love the people who do dedicate so much time and energy into all of the nitty gritty little details about like, I love that because I love consuming it, but also like zooming out. And I feel when I think about coaches in my own life that have had such a profound impact, all those resources exist for me to be able to get better at the thing I want to get better at this year, right now, the season I'm in, I'm just simply trying to gain strength and have some body composition stuff I'm focused on, which is just so fun and different for me. Cause for years it was just performance based. And so to blend that together for fun and because my professional life is really a priority to me, which means that my nervous system isn't interested in taking on the beating that it was at the volume that it was when I was choosing to do a lot more volume. And I'm at peace with that. I'm still getting movement and I'm still getting fitness in. And so anyway, it's cool because when I think about the people who have made such a profound impact on my athletic performance, and it was just the right thing about mindset. It's that belief in self. And as the coach being able to be like, hey, we just got to get you from where you are today to over here. And what we actually need to work on, like the actions are pretty, they're relevant, but that's the easy part. What we have to get you over to is the part where you actually think you're the person for the job. Yeah, incredibly. And that was a huge part of my, one of our athletes at Underdogs, Alex Gazan's success last year was just the belief, like the talent is there in, in space. Oh my gosh. But, and she's a sweetheart. Sorry, but oh, I love she's her. she's the best. Yeah. yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. But just the belief aspect of it. And I think that that's one of the things that's missing in our board is, is just the, we, we talk all the time about, like you said, program design or programming or the, the science behind it. But to me, there are phenomenal programmers, but a programmer and a coach are different. And I look at myself as a coach. My job is to get the best out of my athletes in the most stressful times, like on game day or whatever that might be. And that's where I feel like we, we're lacking. I feel like there's a ton of programmers, not a ton of great coaches. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you see like there are a lot of the coaches that you hear the same names about their athletes being successful. It's because they have more than just the program design. There's so many other facets to it. And a lot of that is being able to get your athletes to believe and also to, to get them to perform under the most stressful environment, which happens to be the CrossFit Games or leading up to the CrossFit Games, et cetera. So that's the stuff that I geek out on. Like I love that the most. And that's what I take the yeah. most pride in. Well, it's so cool because the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> like it's like, hey, that's something you take seriously and look what's happening. And I do just think, look at what John Berardi, I believe is his name, Precision Nutrition and, and the approach that they have within that. And that's a nutrition certification that's very widely 
known as being the prominent, the one I've taken that certification. It was wonderful. And they have this holistic approach and they're like, listen, we can have all the information possible about macronutrient, micronutrient, energy systems, you name it. And if we cannot get the person as a whole to evaluate their life as a whole, we've not moved the needle. And so thinking about that in this, exactly what you're saying is like that applies over here is we have to look at this whole human and in order to get them to perform well in this area of life that we want them to perform well, why they hired us, it's this job as a coach for them on the field. We also need to take a look at the whole thing and optimize all of it to support that version of them that they're trying to become. Okay. So I love it. (laughs) And I just love seeing that that's your mission and looking at the success that you are experiencing currently as a direct result of your heart being in that place. It's really freaking cool to look at people who have that mission and like that's working because you're showing people that that works and you're giving them the opportunity to lean into that and to learn more about that. So just like, thank you. So, okay. Navigation of, are you ready for it? Coaching in person, coaching remote, running a brand, building a brand, social media, you have a content team, athletes with their sponsorship deals. I'm sure that I have not addressed at all, but there are a lot of things right there. Oh, also husband. Father, <laughs> yeah. I was going to two children, the kids. Yeah. So you've got a lot going on. And yet, as that example I said earlier, during a week that's chaos in Miami, you somehow remember to shoot off the acknowledgement message to the girl that's trying to, how do you navigate and deal with overwhelm? Because realistically, maybe there are times where you do experience that. And what are some of the tools, systems, daily practices that you use to deal with all the stuff that you're building? Yeah. Well, I think it would be very egotistical and wrong not to say and not to admit that I have unbelievable people around me. And none of this would be possible without that. First of all, my wife, who is like we were talking about, I mean, she really is my rock. And when I go to Wadapalooza, my family's in South Florida, her family's in Wisconsin. We don't have family out here. She's here with a six-year-old and a two-year-old all week. My son had a stomach flu. My daughter had strep throat. And more often than not, when I go away, that's what, that's what happens. They're in preschool and kindergarten. So they come home with things just about every other week. And I like to talk about the fact that I'm more of a dreamer. She's definitely a bit more practical, but it works so well because you know she allows me to live my dream and then she'll reel me in when it needs to be, and when I need to be reeled in. So she's amazing. And without her, none of this happens. We talked about Kiefer. We talked about all the people that are working with underdogs. They're amazing. And it doesn't happen without them. I like to look at myself as like the project manager. I make sure I put people in positions to succeed and who are better than I am at most things, right? I think that's the whole key. Like I'm a generalist. I'm very, very good at a lot of things, but if I can get people who are better than me at specific things, that's the goal. And we've been able to do that. We've been able to put people into place who I feel are better than I am at X, Y, and Z, and it's paying off and we're doing a good job. And it's also people who are really interested in a lot of the same values and who are in it because of that. So that's been huge for us. And I think at the heart of it, like you said, is I believe if you're doing it for the right reasons, that you're going to feel that value, you're going to feel that gratitude. And it's something I think that others will understand and feel as well. And generally speaking, when you give that out, it comes back to you. And that to me is incredibly important. I feel like if you come into this for selfless reasons, that the growth can be infinite. And so for me, that's the most important thing. But yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we were talking about this. (laughs) My wife and I were talking about it yesterday was trying to manage all this and then trying to get my daughter to gymnastics and get our son to this place and that thing. And there's all these things that you have to navigate. And it's almost like by the end of the day, you just take this deep breath and you're like, my gosh, how are we doing this? How are we staying above water? But we do. And it's the people obviously around us. But then I also think it's the constant striving to continuously do better for our athletes, for our children, for ourselves, for each other. And I think when you look at it like that, it doesn't make it so daunting. But without question, there are times I have a weekly practice, like 
We have our garage gym here. So it's hard for me to train at the gym because I'm constantly watching and coaching. So having our our own space here at home, having our garage gym, but also I'm an avid rock climber. I'm not a great rock climber. I'm an avid rock climber. (laughs) I love to rock climb. And my daughter is amazing. She's just a freakish athlete, gymnastics, rock climbing, ninja warrior. So we we climb a few times a week and we'll go and I'm able to shut off my phone. I climb for a couple hours and it's amazing. And that's kind of where I can shut off and, and recharge and regenerate. I wish I got to do it more, but I'm great, grateful for the basically six hours that I get a week to do that. And like you talked about, my life has changed so much as far as training on the training side. It's now maintenance. It's now to make sure that I'm doing things to move and stay as fit as I can. I mean, I'm 48 years old now, so it's not the same. Think about my last time competing at regionals 2012. And prior to CrossFit, I played competitive basketball in college and I played golf in college as well. So I've always been an athlete. So it's important to me to stay fit and stay involved in sports, but it's very different now. I've got 30 minutes, you know, to 45 minutes a day generally, other than the the rock climbing aspect to do something. So I've got to make sure that I get it in and that for my mental health and physical health. So that's very important. But yeah, it's definitely a challenge. But I think at this point, I don't know that I'd have it any other way. I think it's just where we kind of thrive on it. Yeah. I love that. So the resources, it sounds like are blocking off time where you do allow yourself to just entirely check out of that role. Yes. Making sure you get your own fitness, even though it looks different than it did when you identified as the athlete. Now it is just simply a mental health maintenance and that's beyond okay and wonderful. Literally, that's where most people should be. And it's outsourcing and recognizing when it's not your strength, but that building out that team, bringing people in that support it. And so even when it comes to outsourcing to your wife, allowing yourself to let somebody in and be a role that excels at the things that you don't and just support you and you support her back. So whenever you talk about outsourcing things that you're not great at and bringing people into the ecosystem, there are realistically going to be people listening to this that are just trying to be involved in something they think is dope. And there are going to be a lot of people out there that think underdogs is pretty dope. And so for them to have an example of, I want to get involved in something I'm fired up about. I'm super fired up about this thing. So maybe it is literally underdogs, or maybe it's just something else. What are you as the project manager looking for in people when they come onto the team? How do you navigate this person's a good fit for this team, even if it's content creation or coach or a number of different roles? What are some of the things you're looking for in those individuals? Without question. I think the the biggest thing for us, our mission statement being our goal is to help people achieve their dreams in sports and in life. That's our number one. And they have to have similar values. And for us, like we talked about before, I think family for us, contribution, those types of things are huge. And I think it's very easy when you speak to someone to really get an idea of whether or not your values align. And so I think for anybody who's interested in whether it's getting involved in us or whatever they're doing, if you want to be around people who have similar beliefs and who want to go similar places, I think that's what the beautiful thing about my relationship with my wife is. Sometimes love is not enough. Love is great, but you've also got to want to go similar places. You've got to want to travel along a similar path because you could get here, and but then one person veers off this way and this way. It's not that you didn't love them. It's just that you wanted to go different places. And so the people that we hire, the people that are working with us, those are people that want to travel similar places that we want to travel. They've got similar beliefs. They've got similar dreams. And they also, at the end of the day, they want to help people. And that's what we want to do. And so I think it's important when people are looking at whether it's in life, whether it's in family, whether it's in sports, whatever it is, surrounding yourself with people who have similar values and who want to go the same place, who want to travel a similar path. And that's not always easy. And I think a lot of times it takes a while. And we talked about this before with kind of the volatility that we've seen over the last two years in our business and in our brand has been the fact that there were some similarities, but there weren't enough to be able to continue to travel along the same path. 
whether that be with athletes or whether that be with employees or whatever it was. Correct, 100%. And so you've got to then go your separate ways. And that doesn't mean that it can't be amicable. That doesn't mean that you can't continue to say, oh, that person's still a friend. Or that it wasn't mutually beneficial for the time that it was Absolutely. present. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. All those things. Right. But sometimes it's just for the health, for your health, for the health of the brand, the health of the organization, the health of the team, whatever it is, that some of those changes need to be made. And it's not always easy. I think that that's one of the things at human nature is we tend to stay in things too long. We tend to try to navigate when the writing's on the wall, that maybe something's not going well. And I think we're at a point now in our brand and our business that we're trying not to do that anymore. Ideally, we don't get to that point now at all, but it's inevitable. That that's, that's reality. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah, it happens. But I think it's understanding that we just have different ideas. We're trying to go different ways. And then being able to shake hands and go your separate ways, I think in a lot of times is healthy, <laughs> extremely and is better for you, for that person, for the culture, for the people around you, your family, the community, et cetera. So I think all of those things are extremely important if people are interested in being involved in something, that they look at that and make sure that they're being true to themselves about a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So when you're looking for these people, it sounds like it's just highly intuitive on your end as far as like, is this person showing up as a person that's going to add value here and is bought in on what we're up to? And so then that's for that person that's looking to get involved in something, really something to take a look at and say, am I showing up as the person that deserves the job? Because certainly when I first started to get involved in CrossFit at a larger capacity, when I first started to create content on social media, which was literally a year ago, all this is so new. And there was a bit of imposter syndrome, but then I had to look at it and be like, no, 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 you have been doing the work to be the person in the room. Now, keep doing that work. Remain humble and curious and willing to learn and grow and change and all those things that got you in the room, but you did the work to be in the room. So like acknowledging that and then doing the work and not using up once you think you got there. Yeah. And I think humility is a huge part of it, like you just said. Humility and then being genuine because none of us know everything. And I think the people who think they do are generally that comes from a insecurity because you know you don't. So you just say you do. And I think that's a massive part of it. But I think that comes across in what you do is the fact that I can tell, especially when I first met, you were really interested in learning and continuing to grow in the space. And I think it's the same for, for me as well. I've been in this a long time. I've been coaching a long time, but I don't know everything. And I learn something new all the time, whether it's from my athletes or whether it's from mentors or whether it's from other coaches. And it's one of the things that I value the most about going on the road and being at places like Wadapalooza or going to the games or going is being around my peers, but being around these unbelievable coaches and unbelievable people and athletes who bring so much to the table on a daily basis. And if you don't absorb what you can absorb from those people, then you're really missing out. And that's why I have such a phenomenal time when I, because, you know, we get to be, it's almost like a think tank without really calling it that. There's just all these things that you learn that you can glean from these experiences. And I find that the more that I go to, the more grateful I am to be there and the more that I can take from them. So it's really cool. And I say it's like, it's living a dream, really. It's a labor of love. It's not work. We're lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. I love it all. Existing in an echo chamber versus not. And so while like you're in this right now in this world of CrossFit, but within that, there are a million different ways to go about it. And so I train clients at a social performance club in Austin, Texas. And as a result, there are a number of different trainers that I'm working around and I'm the functional girl. I'm the tax, the different energy systems and do all that, whatever. I'm a CrossFit girl. But I love that I get to work with clients in this setting where each trainer has their own different shtick. They're doing things differently. And so it was initially challenging for me to have come from one way of doing things for six and a half years at that time. And then going, hmm, let me just observe this and see, like, don't just, oh, well, that's not how we do it, but why? And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And maybe you do that or maybe you don't. So when you think about the different coaches and the different training camps and their different approaches and whatnot, and just observing it all and then thinking, does that resonate? Is there something of value that I can take from that? And also then that that's perfectly okay. 
collaboration is elevation. And so giving space to understanding that like, hey, I want you to use my quote because guess what? I got it somewhere else anyway. So literally use it everywhere. My one day at a time came from my recovery program and I'm going to regurgitate that forever. <laughs> like that was not an original thought, but I want you to use it. And so anyway, all of that, like I so agree with that. So I was going to ask you what your fitness looks like currently, but it sounds like it's usually most days, 30 to 45 minutes of movement in your garage with those additional pieces a few times a week of rock climbing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would be yeah. the majority. I just love touching on what the professionals within the space are up to. I love to be like, so what are you doing? And because it gives space to the fact that it doesn't have to look like the athletes. <laughs> oh, no, no way. Yeah. First of all, I don't have time and it's their full-time job. But I think it's, I wish I had an extra... 30 minutes to an hour, of course. Like without question, it's human nature. We're just like, oh man, I wish I could do a little bit more. But what's been cool recently is my daughter grew up in our affiliate in New York. She grew up in it, CrossFit Dynamics in Astoria, New York. And she would come every day with us. And so from a time she could walk essentially at 10 months, like she was in the gym. And my son hasn't been able to experience that as much because at Dynamics, we had two floors and we had someone who could always watch her, et cetera. And if I bring my son to Rhino when the, when the athletes are training, I'm nervous about him running under weights when people are dropping and this and that, because he's in that age at two years old, he has no idea. But what's been really cool is since the home gym, we bought our house here in Vegas, I guess maybe it's been about five months ago, and putting the home gym in. Now he's going in there, we're training, and yesterday I was doing a pull-up ladder and this, that, and then he's on his little pull-up bar doing half pull-ups and doing burpees and stuff. So it's just bringing them into it has been super cool, like super cool to see. And so I think it's going to afford me a little more time because I won't necessarily have to chase him if he gets involved. <laughs> so that'll be good. But yeah, at this point, right? Like it's when you can fit it in. I think my wife and I both are, when we don't have the kids and when we're not working, it's just making sure we get in there because for our mental health, it's been such a huge part of our lives for such a long period of time to not do it be extremely detrimental, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the practice, what you preach within a capacity that absolutely <laughs> supports the life that you have currently. So I do want to talk about your goals for 2023, both for your athletes, but also you're a leader within the sport and within the space. And so where would you like to see your training camp go this year? What are the priorities for you all? And then also maybe touch on what would you like to see from the top down, from leadership, from the organization? Because we've undergone so much over the years. We have. And we're still seems, trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it seems like there's something every six months or, or so that, you know, these massive changes at the top. Yeah. I mean, underdogs, I think, What's exciting for us and what's exciting for me is really on a weekly basis, we continue to bring in new coaches, new athletes. And listen, it's tough. It's a tough space. Well, I mean, there's so many competitors, but the way that I look at it is all of us continue to make each other level up. So it's cool. And I have a very good relationship with Shane at Proven, with Max at Training Think Tank, right? With John Singleton at, at, at the program, with Yami, et cetera. And I think all of us just continue to help each other get better because you have to, because if you don't get better, you become obsolete. So for underdogs, it's continuing to give our community and our subscribers and our athletes the best possible product, the best possible coaching, the best mentoring that we can. And I think, again, when we look at it from that perspective, it's not for me, it's not a numbers like, oh, we need this many signups. No, it doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with, are we helping people reach their goals? Are they becoming the best that they can be? Because if they are, then they're telling their friends and then they're performing the way that they perform at competitions and then the proof is in the pudding. So if we continue to do those things the right way, and then I think it's also as a company continuing to give opportunities to coaches, to give opportunities to our employees, et cetera, that they want to stay with us and grow with us. That's a huge part of what we're doing as well. So along those lines, I think that's incredibly important. I mean, listen, personally, I obviously have personal goals. I've been very lucky and I feel very proud of what I've been able to accomplish as a coach in the sport. You know, I've been able to get a male and a female on the podium at the highest level. 
but I still haven't won the CrossFit Games. So that's obviously a goal for me as a coach is to have one of my athletes win the CrossFit Games. So we'll continue to push towards that. But when you talk about the sport from the top down, I've always been a proponent and a huge believer in upping the ante and continuing to give athletes opportunities, opportunity to be athletes, to be full-time athletes, to make money, et cetera. I think we're still at the beginning stages. I mean, if you look at CrossFit as a sport compared to the major sports, it's a baby. And so we're trying to continue to move this to where not just the top five athletes in the world make money. You look at the golf tour, you look at the tennis tour, you look at basketball, football, the person that's a hundredth best in the world is able to make a living. The person who's the hundredth best in the world in CrossFit has to have a second job, has to coach, has to program, has to do all these other things. So it's continuing to give the athletes the opportunity to be athletes. And so that's a huge part of it from the top down. There's a group of us, there's a group of coaches who have started to talk about you know bringing some of our ideas to HQ to help the sport, to be able to make the sport better, whether it's, again, athlete opportunities, whether it's starting to pay judges, whether it's looking at, at athlete safety during competitions as far as what we can do better in the warm-up area or, or the scheduling, et cetera. There are a lot of things that we're looking at to try to improve the sport. And I think that there are some of us who have come together, some of the more prominent coaches who are pushing towards that and trying to work with the athletes to be able to take that to the current regime and power, who I think, to be perfectly honest, this is the most dialogue that we've been able to have. They're very open-minded about listening to what we have to say which I think is beautiful because for a lot of years, it wasn't like that. So I think that's a great thing, but we're nowhere near where we need to be or where I think we can go, which is again, one of the reasons why I always talk about giving access and making sure, because at the end of the day, if we're able to do that, and if we're able to get more fans and the spectators are interested in the behind the scenes stuff, what's going on, it makes it more interesting. And that helps the sport you know, that I'm a huge part, a huge proponent of that. But yeah, without question, it's about continuing to give these athletes opportunities. And when I say that, it's it's opportunities to be professional athletes. I love it. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> and it's inspiring. Yeah, you, I think that we still have this thing of the community is so in it. We're so in it and we just want to see it come together. But the fact that everybody's still here is honestly remarkable. <laughs> Yeah, with what we've been through the last couple of years, I think there was a period of time when honestly, it was like, what the heck's going on? Are we going to have to change the name? Or is this person going to take this over? Is the sport and the methodology going to separate? Like, what are we doing here? So I think that we see it's in a healthy spot and it looks to me like we've got some pretty solid leadership. But I think, listen, we can always do things better and we can always continue to improve. And I like playing my part and doing what I can do. And I think it's important that Everyone looks at it from the perspective that, listen, if it's that saying, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So to me, we've all got to push it together as a group from the athletes to the affiliates, to the coaches, to HQ, et cetera. It's, it's all our responsibility if we want to get this where it's going to go, or it's going to be too segmented and it's going to be fractured. Yeah. And you can bring that all the way down to the affiliate level and safety. That was one of the things whenever I did a roadshow last year where I had the opportunity to go into two to four affiliates a day for a few months. Uh, I racked up a lot of experiences in gyms coaching their members. And through that, it was so evident immediately. You'd go into a space and very quickly know, is this a facility that safety is prioritized and proper movement patterns are taught and adhered to? or not. And it was a really just quite an exposure to we've got room for growth. And that's the thing is, if we want this thing to grow, we need to prioritize things like that. So that's kind of a whole other thing, but it's relevant to it. You want the reputation to be good for the sport and it has to start all the way down at that beginner level and making sure that that beginner is moving safely and is going to have a positive experience. And injury in sport's a real thing. Like we get that, but we can do a lot to stay away from that as best as possible especially at those levels that aren't quite so intense. So, okay, this is a bit of a pivot, but one that I do want to ask you, and it simply is that I feel like the topic of, get ready for this because this is not CrossFit related. Okay, cool. I like it. <laughs> the topic of masculinity is one that is of interest to me right now. 
and I feel like it's a hot topic. And so I want to know because you are a man that I respect. And so I'm curious if you were to define what you feel masculinity means to you, what would that look like today? Wow. I think it's changed immensely over the years. What's funny is since I became a dad, I think my whole outlook on what being a man and being masculine is, because it's funny to say, but for me now it's showing my kids vulnerability and strength, but I think it's strength through the ability to show them that feeling and being vulnerable, showing love, showing affection. Those are all things that a man can do and still be considered a man, where for so many years, I think about like my dad's generation, because it's very, very different. And I love my dad, don't get me wrong. But when I was a kid, there wasn't a lot of that. It was tough love. As an athlete, as a kid, there was a lot of being in the middle of a game or something, and it would be the, you know, well, I can't believe you're not playing well, or you're doing this, or you're doing that. And, and in a lot of ways, as an athlete, I would just shut down, or even as a person, and it would create an incredible amount of stress. So I think for me, being able to, and, and listen, sometimes that creeps in because that's what I learned as a kid. But I think now it's being able to show vulnerability, but that being able to do that and being able to persevere through it is what's strong. So I don't know if I answered that completely, but I think that for me, that that's a huge part of being a dad and being a father is being able to express feelings and vulnerability and showing that, that those things can still be masculine and strong. Yeah, I love it. And thank you because navigating that, that was one that I threw at you that's a bit outside of the scope of the norm of- No, it's cool. I like it though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and because I just think it's so important to draw attention to. The most masculine men I know do the vulnerability really well. And so when you say that, vulnerability, strength, it's like two sides to a coin. They, they complement one another to create this whole thing. And so they get to coexist. And I feel like I just see this repeated pattern of the men that I actually respect and admire the most. I feel most safe around. I feel all of those things that ideally I think men want to make people feel and feel themselves is like, actually, let's get real. Let's feel some stuff and let's talk about it. And then as a result, we are stronger. So yeah. thank but you. I think historically, that. historically, right, like that hasn't been the definition or the model of it. But I think that it's such a huge part of where we are now in culture and society and not acknowledging it, I think can lead to a lot of you know, mental health and emotional issues. Oh my gosh, aging male isolation and depression. And then of course, we can go all the way down to suicide. I mean, it's all of it is at an all-time high for a reason because there's this muscle through it thing that many men were taught that is no longer serving us. And so, okay, screw that. Don't do it. Do talk about it. Recognize that you are better off letting other people help you. <laughs> yes, 100%. Okay, so quickly, what is something that you feel that you are doing well that you would like to do more of or do better at? So I'm going to make this very literal. Yesterday I climbed uh, 510, which I hadn't, <laughs> it was a route that I had been working on for a while and I wasn't able to do it. And yesterday I did it. I was able to send it. So I would like to be able to consistently climb 510s and 511s. For people who don't know rock climbing, they won't know what that means, but for people who do, they will. And I think that even as we get older and maybe we're not professional athletes, that it's still super important to have physical goals. And for me, that's where I'm at now. It's not about uh, deadlifting 500 pounds, cleaning 300 pounds. Like I've done that in the past. And that if I did that now, my body would break down. So for now, my physical goals are they're in the rock climbing world. And so I'm just going to try to continue to do that and get better and be more consistent. So I was very proud of myself yesterday that I was able to do that. On a professional level, I think it's to continue to build my athletes up and build their confidence and have them improve and perform better than they've ever done, which I feel like we're doing. 
We saw what Ricky was able to do at Wadapalooza, you know, which was a massive professional win in the sense that that's his best competition since he's been back. He's never executed better. And I think that has a lot to do with what we're working on him with. And I have other athletes that I see the light turning on and I see them getting better and better every day. So I, I think without question for me, it's, it's being able to bring the best out of them and, and to see them continue to succeed. I think we've done a good job with it, but my goal will always be to do better and to help them achieve their goals and their dreams. And every day we're working hard to do it. You're doing it well. <laughs> that was a good one. All right. What are three things today that you are grateful for? Very grateful for my wife and our relationship. I think she's just amazing. And I tell her that, but I, I probably could tell her more. I am grateful for being relatively healthy, other than some of the aches and pains from my athletic career and some of the knee surgeries that I've had. But in general, the ability to be able to, to move and do a lot of the physical things that I'm still able to do you know, is, is incredible. And I'm grateful to be able to come on forums like this, to be able to talk about fitness, to be able to spread the methodology, to be able to meet people like yourself who have a lot of things aligned to be able to help people. And so this is awesome that I get to do this. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And to be able to move that mission forward that Kiefer believed in you. Okay. Three things that I just love about so much. Three things that I am grateful for because I adore him and Kyra. And that's just a fun little personal detail to be like, oh, I love it that he was the guy. Okay. So three things that I am grateful for. One of them is going to be learning to love and care for myself. It's an ongoing journey, but to be able to do things and operate most frequently today from a place of care for self as opposed to punishment of action. And so I'm grateful for that. I am grateful for the opportunity to be a coach. I do now have a coaching platform and we focus on movement, we focus on nutrition and we focus on mindset. And that's something that I'm just so amazed by the opportunity to get to be in that role today is pretty wild because for many years I was extremely uncoachable and just had no idea this was going to be a part of the journey. So it's different than yours, but it's a dope thing to do. So, and last but not least is I am grateful for the practice of prayer. I'm just grateful that I have the practice of prayer today and that incorporated within that is always the request to show up and be of service. I just didn't have that for my whole life until I was nearly 30 and that was unfortunate and I'm just grateful that I have it today. So Cool. All right. Where awesome. can they find you, support you? If they want to know more about underdogs, if they want to know more about Justin, where do they go? Probably the best places on Instagram, I would think. Underdogs Athletics, or they can find me at Justin Kotler. It's pretty easy. Yeah. So those are probably the two best places. If people come to Las Vegas, obviously, and they want to come and, and hang with the, with the Underdogs crew, we're over at Camp Rhino Southeast, so they can come see us. Those are probably the best places that people can find us. Yeah, I love it. All of that will be in the show notes, guys. So if you want to find those exact handles, even though they're pretty straightforward, they will be down there. Go find them. Go support Justin. So last but not least, if you have enjoyed this episode and got something out of it, I would appreciate it if you would follow the show, rate and review the show wherever you are consuming it, and share it with someone that you think it's going to positively impact. That's the mission of this thing, and that would mean the world to me. So we hope that you have a beautiful day.